lament is our language because the world is broken if Jesus is going to come again. And so that process language is super, super important. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action, and today I'm so excited. We're joined by Pastor Mark Rogop, who is the lead pastor at College Park Church in Indianapolis. He's the author of Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy, and today we're going to be talking about using lament in counseling and in the Christian life. And, and I was just talking to Pastor Mark before we got started about, you know, I've been a pastor a long time, but I certainly did not know nearly as much as I should have known about lament. And Mark, your book helped me greatly just on a personal level, and I'm still trying to learn more about this topic, but I know it has enriched my relationship with the Lord, and so I can't thank you enough even for your labor of love in writing this book and the impact it's had on me, and then the way that I've been able to use it in counseling. So I'm just, I'm really thankful that you're willing to take the time to talk to our listeners today. I'd like to kind of start before we talk about the book, though, I'd like to learn more about you and your ministry. So can you tell just a little bit about that part of the story? Absolutely. And Pastor Steve, thanks for having me on. It's a real delight to be able to talk with you here at Faith, because um, actually part of my story intersects with uh, Faith and the Biblical mm-hmm. Counseling Movement. So back in 1995, I became the pastor of a church in Holland, Michigan. So I was 25 years old and uh, just out of seminary, a uh, new senior pastor with a, kind of a church renovation story. And I just came to f- realize that I did not know how to counsel people very well. Hmm. And so one of my first conferences was to come down to the faith counseling training as a young senior pastor. So just even kind of being on the property here today brings back all kinds of really amazing (laughs) memories of just trying to figure out how in the world do you do ministry when you've got real people with real problems and you've got a theological education, but had some gaps in it. And uh, so I served at that church in Western Michigan for 11 years and then came to College Park Church in 2008. And it's been a uh, remarkable journey just to see two different churches, different stories, different backgrounds, but the way in which God has formed a community of people who really want to grow and follow Jesus. And in 2004, actually February 17th, 2004, after having twin boys and then another successful pregnancy, a few days before delivery, my wife and I went into an OBGYN visit, and my wife thought something was wrong with the pregnancy, but, you know, she's kind of prone to worry, and there's nothing wrong, and doctor put the little sonogram on her belly and couldn't find a heartbeat, Mm. and then into an ultrasound room confirming that our little didn't know at a time, little baby girl, only two days away from delivery, had died in the womb. And that just rocked our world. And then after the birth, 
uh, year, year and a half or so of multiple miscarriages, struggling, long extended seasons of grief, pastoral ministry still happening, trying to preach every Sunday. Hmm. I just came to realize that there was something missing in my understanding of what it meant to follow Jesus through the difficulties of grief and sorrow. So we started on that journey to try and figure out how do we make it? How do we follow Jesus well? How do we care for people? And in the same way that like there was some biblical counseling gaps back in the right. early 90s, there was this new gap. And as I began to kind of research that and think about that over the years, looking back with a little bit of a 2020 lens, came to realize what I actually was doing but didn't have a category for at the time was lament. Hmm. And that started kind of a journey to explore the subject, work it into my own life, and then into pastoral ministry. So kind of that whole convergence of two churches, the loss of a daughter, learning lament has been all a part of our journey to follow Jesus well and try and lead two churches to be the kind of communities that help people to look more like Jesus over time, even when life's really hard. So the issue of writing, did you write as a way that you processed your grief, or do you feel like you were processing the grief, learning more about lament, and then eventually wrote the book? Yeah, what happened is I just I started like talking about these kind of things in sermons. So mm-hmm. I did a sermon series on the Psalms and kind of the darker Psalms. I did a sermon series on Lamentations. And as I began to do those sermon series, people came out of the woodwork and they were like, hey... Like, this was unusually helpful. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt like the Lord really used this. And I was like, hmm. And then they began saying, do you have anything else on this? And I was like, no, I really don't. And then Hmm. they said, do you know any other book on this? And I was like, I I really don't. And after a while, the frustration level built to such a, a high point that I thought, something needs to be written on this. And in 2014, I was on sabbatical and began just talking with someone to try and help me. How do you move from sermon content to books? And I didn't do a lot of writing, didn't quite think that I could, and had somebody who helped me kind of think through how would you put this together. Thus was born Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And quite frankly, when I hit send to the publisher, I told my wife, no one's going to read this. <laughs> this. My goal was just to help people. And, you know, it's just it's been surprising that this particular message has resonated. I mean, it shouldn't be surprising, but it was at the time. In fact, when I pitched it to some folks, they're like, what do you want to write a book on? I said, lament. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And they're like, I don't understand. So I, I had to unpack it. Yep. The thing about lament is the more that you learn about it, the more that you study it, you begin to tune your ear, that you begin to see it yep. and hear it and yep. even realize, like, this is really, really important, which is, I mean, it makes sense. One out of every three Psalms in the Bible yep. were laments. Yep. It's just for a number of reasons that we could unpack a little bit. I think 21st century Christians tend to miss lament. And most people don't seek to study lament usually lament finds them. And then they look back and they're like, oh, this is what's been going on in my life. I'm trying to picture what it was like when you were pastoring in Michigan and you and your wife went through that deep trial, and yet your church family is right there grieving along with you, and then you as their pastor, you're just becoming very vulnerable to them in the pulpit, and you as a church had to be experiencing that together. Yeah, it was beautiful and traumatic and also hurtful. Like it was all of those things at the same time. It was beautiful in the sense that we're walking together. Traumatic for me, like you know, every Sunday having to try and open up the word and lead people to a place that I'm barely there. And even kind of wrestling with, I've got these doubts and these struggles, and yet 
I'm still trying to be faithful. And at the time, I kind of thought it was either or when it mm. comes to Christianity. And now I'm more convinced it's both and. And then also hurtful in the sense that our church cared well for us and you know people were super, super kind. But as you know, when you're walking through grief, our ability to help people in grieving is sometimes really subpar. Yeah. And as in some respects, the more honest we were with some folks, the more hurtful it was hmm. or the more trite answers that we were given. And so I found this sort of strange space of wondering, how do we help people grieve deeply and biblically without giving them either trite answers or unbiblical answers. Hmm. And that's where I thought the language of lament could be helpful. Let's say somebody's listening to this podcast and they would say, I have no idea what Pastor Mark is even talking about. Can you unpack some of the the key principles that would help us at least begin to think about the topic? Yeah. So a real simple definition of lament is it's a prayer in pain that leads to trust. Hmm. So every one of those words is super important. It's a prayer in pain that leads to trust. So it's a language where I'm talking to God about my sorrow. It's a prayer in pain. It's a unique kind of prayer that's set in the context of really difficult and dark moments. So a prayer in pain that leads, laments designed to be process language. You move from point A to point B. So it's not a cul-de-sac of sorrow where all we think about is our pain, but it's meant to be like railroad tracks that you push your pain along. So a prayer in pain that leads to trust. So the destination of all laments are a recommitment to trust in God's purposes and his sovereignty. And it's the language that God's people have used to lead them from where they are to where they need to be. And lament is the language of, hey, I know God is good, but life is really hard. So what do I say in the, in the meantime? Mm. And I think that of all the people on the earth, the one group of people who ought to know this language well ought to be the people who know the Ark of Redemption. <laughs> like we know where it's all headed. Like we're living right now in a time period where lament is our language because the world is broken, yet Jesus is going to come again. And so that process language is super, super important. And then laments usually have four key elements. You know, it's poetry and music, so it's not linear, but these elements are typically involved turning to God, laying out my complaint, asking for his help boldly, and then choosing to trust. So turn, complain, ask, and trust are kind of the four movements, and different psalms follow those either in order or kind of cycle around, but those key elements make up this really important language. And you know, I know as I was reading your book and as I was trying to practice this more in my own heart and life, one of the challenges I had is, well, I don't want to speak disrespectfully to the Lord. I don't want to dishonor Him. I know that's incorrect thinking, but for someone who might be listening to what you're saying right now and would have a similar response, can you help correct it? Yeah. So the question that I'm asked very often is about complaint, because who likes complainers, right? And the, and you can be sinful in your complaining, right? If you come to God with a self-centered perspective of, you owe me a happy life, and how dare you allow pain in my life? Well, you're not complaining, you're sinning. Like you're, 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 you're angry, right? So the difference is, is complaint in the Bible is deeply theological. In other words, if we didn't believe that God was sovereign, if we didn't believe that he was good, then there'd be no reason to complain. Like, why would you complain when that's just the way that the world is? God is capricious. He's not kind. Like, bad stuff happens. Get over it. But because we believe that God is good, because we believe he's all-powerful, Christians wrestle with the tension of, God, you could intervene, but you're not. 
God, you are good, but I don't see how this fits. And so complaint is taking our real burdens and laying them at the feet of the Lord, knowing that some of the things that we feel aren't true, but they feel true nonetheless. I mean, even Jesus on the cross quotes a lament song, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. So we could have a really interesting discussion about the nature of that forsakenness, right. right, and the layers related to that. Or in Psalm seventy-seven, the, the psalmist says, "You know, has the Lord forgotten to be gracious? Is His mercy, you know, has His mercy come to an end?" He knows that's not true, but in the middle of grief, it feels true. And so, what complaint does is acknowledge, Lord, how long? How long? And it allows us to talk to God about our struggle, in order to help us to move to a place of a recommitment to trust him. So I think we have to expand our definition of what it means to complain. Mm -hmm. And for those of us in ministry, about the last thing we want to hear is one more complaint. Yeah, the ministry of complaint. Thank you. (laughs) And so, but you're exactly right, that it's actually an expression of our trust and the character of God, that he has answers for the questions that we don't. Right. And, you know, maybe another way to think about it or another word that might be helpful is the identification of struggle or the verbalization of tension or the description of what's wrong in the world. So formally, you know, in a legal sense, you've got someone who's, you know, issuing a complaint. You've got a complaint, a formal declaration, hey, something's wrong. And yet, foundationally, Christians believe something's foundationally wrong with the world. Mm. And our complaint is the world is marred by sin and that's wrong and that's terrible and we Mm. want God to do something. Mm. And Talking to God about that is not only appropriate, there's language in the Bible that is really redemptive and helpful and sometimes even therapeutic. And in some cases, I think if somebody in their small group were to just read like Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take comfort in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day long? I think I know what would happen in a lot of small groups. People like, hey, man, like you need to talk to the pastor. You're like off the rails. <laughs> well, the brother just quoted Psalm 13, right? right? Absolutely. You know, so we just, we don't, and part of the reason is that people's grief really makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. And lament is an uncomfortable thing because it's so real and gutsy. And yet I think it's really important to see that this is in the Bible and it can really be helpful in counseling and in what it means to faithfully follow Jesus. You know, I'm thinking about your story. I like the the phrase that you use, that lament is not a cul-de-sac of sorrow. And I'm just thinking, you know, what if you and your wife had stayed in that cul-de-sac of sorrow? You wouldn't have gotten to the place where you could have the kind of ministry to me, to everybody else who's listening and benefiting from this book. And it just causes me to praise God that he gave you the strength and that you relied on that strength to process that terrible event. And now to be in a position to share this with the Christian world is just such a great, great yeah. blessing. You know, it's funny that you mentioned cul-de-sac, because grief isn't a cul-de-sac, but grief kind of is like a roundabout at times, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, you know, it, it, you kind of go around and you're around and then you're like, okay, I'm yeah. out, you know? And I think also it's just recognizing that I think there's a need for tenderness and compassion with people who are grieving, and how do we help them? It's complicated. Mm-hmm. Grief isn't tame. Lament, it's not a language that is just the same all the time. Like it, There's 
justice-oriented lament. Like when you've been done wrong, what do you say? How do you talk to God about injustice? And when it's your own sin that's caused you to lament, what do you say? And mm. when it's a whole group of people, how do you talk to God? Or when it's just you? Like So there's all kinds of those laments, and those are all over the Psalms. In fact, they're all over the Bible, quite yeah. frankly. And once you start seeing it, you begin to see it in a lot of places. And you just realize a lot of the Christian life is living between the poles of a hard life and trusting in God's sovereignty. So what kind of response have you seen to the book? You were mentioning that you weren't even sure if anybody would publish it. What kind of responses have you experienced? Well, it's been unbelievable in terms of just the people who send me emails. It's just been overwhelming. I just, I can't believe the spaces that the book has landed in. Yeah, it's been translated into Spanish. I hear from folks in Europe and in Great Britain in particular, folks who are in biblical counseling in particular. It's Mm -hmm. just remarkable how it's served as a guide to try and help people. Because what I tried to do is to blend kind of a high view of God and a compassionate pastoral on-the-ground world to kind of bring those two together. And yeah, it's just... It's remarkable to hear from people battling cancer, loss of spouses, children, problems, infertility. I mean, you name it, wherever humans live, there's going to be grief and sorrow. And lament is the language that helps us no matter what our pain is. Yeah, you know, I have found in, for whatever reason, God has blessed me with a season here the last couple of years of just some especially marvelous counseling cases. And in several of them, asking them to read a portion of your book or read your entire book, and then write a psalm of lament that was personalized to their particular struggle, I think they would say was the turning point. Mm -hmm. And so again, I'm very, very thankful for your ministry, but we're seeing it play out in counseling situations like I'm not sure we would have thought about before. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, well, you're welcome. It's quite frankly what I've had to do in various seasons of my own life. And many of us, we were doing that. We just didn't know it was lament, right? (laughs) And, you know, one of the things that I'm hopeful is that this sort of discovery of lament can even turn into more of a daily application for people to realize that, look, we usually learn lament because we're in crisis. And then we figure out, actually, this has applicability in a lot of areas. Mm -hmm. I was doing a talk for some young moms on the subject of lament. And I said, hey, before you need this language in a really dark moment, let me encourage you, when your child's up and you're two in the morning and you're just like, how in the world am I going to do this? Look, lament, talk to the Lord just briefly. So yeah, one of the things I'm passionate about is to try and get this even more into kind of the daily operating system of how people think about their Christian walk. So there's some new resources coming out along with the book. Can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, so there's a new resource called the Dark Clouds Deep Mercy Devotional Journal. And you know, in the book, I just explore four psalms very briefly and the Book of Lamentations. The journal actually takes 15 psalms in four categories, personal, corporate, together, uh, repentance, and justice-seeking. And it provides a space to both kind of do a devotional, read a devotional that I've written, analyze the psalm as a kind of a work homework assignment, mm-hmm. and then write your own lament. And then it has some discussion questions at the end. And the goal is to do just what you explained a few minutes ago, is to provide a space, kind of a guided experience for someone to think through, how could I make lament 
very applicable in a lot of other spaces in my life to kind of take it to the next level. So basically, it's the response to people writing me and saying, you know, your book just explained the last three years of my life. Hmm. And now what do I do? Yeah. And moving from crisis to kind of a Christian maintenance mode, if you will, of what it looks like to get lament into our daily lives in more practical ways. So did Crossway also publish that particular resource? They did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just can't recommend that highly enough. And, and Pastor Mark, I want to thank you for your friendship. I praise God for what he's doing down at College Park and through your ministry. We love your church and love you and are just so very thankful that you took the time and God gave you the energy and the wisdom to write these resources Glory to God for what he's doing through you. Well, thank you, Pastor Steve. I'm thankful for this church. I, I was looking at your sanctuary. I remember being in a session about being God's kind of husband. And as a young senior pastor with twins, I was out of balance, too much into ministry and felt convicted. And the guy I was with was like, what's the matter with you while I'm in the session? And I was like, I just feel so convicted about this. And he was like, why don't you call your wife? And I was like, I will. And he's like, like now. And so I stepped out of the session at Faith Church here and went and called my wife and just said, look, I've let this ministry thing get in my head and I've not been a good husband and father. I'm so sorry. So like, this is, wow. you guys have really invested in me and what it means to be, without even knowing it, about being a man who's tried to keep balance. It was an important moment in my life back, I think it was 1996. Well, so praise, praise God. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Good talking to you, Dave. Thank you, you too. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org. Or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts. And you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.